Well, good morning, church. That is just a little bit of a teaser of yesterday's At the Table video. I hope that you have already seen it. If you have not, go and watch it. But if you haven't watched either of the last two, make sure you go watch two weeks ago first, because that was the first one in this series, At the Table. They, they tell a story as you watch along with them, and there's still one more to come. So that is uh, just a reminder to you of that, that platform that we use to make sure that we are engaging Scripture in the full sense that we can, because honestly, Sunday morning isn't enough. As we talk about these scriptures of Jesus, as we talk about the parables that Jesus tells, and especially these that we hear this morning, Sunday morning is not enough to capture the full breadth of what's being told in them. And that's such a beautiful thing to know and to be a part of. So I hope that you are looking for more. Uh, that Sunday mornings are a time where you, you get a little taste of that, and then you leave afterwards and think, I, I wish I could know more. I wish I could spend more time with it. Well, you can. You absolutely can. And so... That is open for you, but uh, as we talk about today's scripture, uh, before I begin talking too much, let's say a prayer. Holy and gracious God, I thank you for this day. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, and let us go forth from this place, humbling ourselves and finding ways to lift others up. In your name we pray, amen. Well, I wonder what it was like around your table growing up. Do you remember where you sat? Do you remember your kitchen table, your dining room table, when your family gathered around, your father or mother sat at one particular seat, you and your siblings sat at other particular seats, it was always the same? But do you remember that moment when you had your own table, when you finally had your own table to call yours, and, and did you move seats, or did you sit in the same orientation, or did you think, well, now I can get a little bit of a promotion, I can sit closer to the kitchen, I can sit at the end, I can, I can sit on top. It's my table. I can do what I want, right? I wonder what that felt like. I grew up around a couple of tables, um, two that I remember very particularly. One of them was just my family table, an ordinary table, except it didn't have ends to it. It didn't have an elongated shape. It wasn't a rectangle. It wasn't a, an oval. It was a circle, which meant that there were no ends to it. There were no seats that were marked as this is the place of where dad sits, this is a place of where anybody, it was a round table, none of that worked. And it was a round table that was perfectly built for four people and we were in a family of five. Um, which, yes, two of us being left-handed, not myself, but my dad and my, my sister, so you left-handed people and you family with left-handed people, you know the pain that that instills, yes. So this round table we would gather around, and that's where we would enjoy most of our, our family meals, most of just our immediate family, that we would sit around this round table. It was a wonderful table, and in fact, I still have the table in my house now. Well, my family doesn't eat around it terribly often. We sit at another table now, a table that is now mine. I had built for us, and I'm thankful in my inspiration or in my upbringing, however you might view it, I don't have a head of my table either. It's a square table now all of these fun shapes for tables. But they're so peculiar about how tables work, and, and I remember that growing up because it wasn't just that round table that I sat around to eat meals at. The other memorable table in my upbringing was my great-grandmother's table, Ami's table. Ami is her name. I'm gonna share that name with you. You can call her Ami. She would appreciate that. This past May, Ami turned 100. Uh, so really, she'd be glad that you call her anything. She's so glad. <laughs> 
Ami's table, she had a couple, she had just off of the kitchen a little small round glass table that we'd sit at for regular meals, but there was another meal that we'd eat at. You see, when we went to Ami's house to eat, there were two ways that we understood what kind of meal it was. There was a, we're going to eat at Ami's house night, and then there's, we're going to have dinner at Ami's house night. And those dinners at Ami's house night, you knew something different was about to happen because it wasn't just that round table that would be used right off of the kitchen. No, it was the dining room. And the dining room, the lights never went on unless that table was to be used. Uh, That table was never to be touched unless there was a cloth covering over it. That's when the china came out, the silver came out, everything was polished the day before. It was a spectacle to see that arrangement come to life in the midst of some type of celebration, a birthday, a holiday, someone from out of town coming that they hadn't been in years and years, and now here we are around this table. Now, early on when I grew up, I wasn't really allowed to sit at that table, not for the first couple of years. I had to get old enough to not, no longer sit at the kids' table, although the kids' table is a wonderful place to be. In fact, as I learned, when I moved over to the bigger table, I felt that sense of privilege, and and I loved it for some time. And then after the first couple of times sitting at that table, I realized what my mother meant when she said, I wish I could sit at the kids' table. (laughs) I understand that well now. But it's a wonderful table, and there certainly it was a a standard rectangular table. There was a head that my great-grandmother would always sit at, and then there were were other special seats all the way around. You did not go and find a place at that table. You were told where you were sitting. That's how that table worked. And so these two tables in my life as I grew up, they were juxtaposed to each other. They were related to each other. They were uh, teaching me about what it looked like to eat a meal in certain situations, in certain places, with certain people. The ordinariness of my one table that I gathered around, that round table with my family, that was an extra common table. And then at Ami's house, it was the extra special table that she would set for particular moments. And that privilege uh, of finally getting a seat at that table. Now, you know that line. We use that in so many other areas of life, not just at the table, but at board meetings and uh, official gatherings and, and places where there is some type of honor or knowledge to be known or information to be a part of, having a seat at the table. It's a, a privileged line that we get to say, and it's an interesting one, I think, and it must have to do with some of this family upbringing of moving from the kids' table to the adult table to being a part of uh, the wonderful conversations that happen there, or as my mother would say, the ranting and raving and political talk. But regardless, having a seat at the table, I can think of no more prominent place to use that line, having a seat at the table, than on our scripture today. As Jesus has finally made it to the house of the Pharisees that he has been invited to to have a lunch or a dinner, he sees them, he witnesses them walking around that table, going to the places of honor and having a seat. It wasn't their home, but there was an air of privilege about them. There was an air of privilege in the room that they, each and every one of those Pharisees, they were invited to have a seat at the table. And so in that honor, in that privilege, they felt as though they had the place to go and sit. This was theirs. They had earned it. It was their place of honor. And they sat down. 
Now, Jesus saw this as a pretty peculiar thing. I wonder, have you ever been to a party or a dinner party, a gathering where everyone else seemed to know what to do and where to sit, and you were left thinking, which fork do I use? Where am I supposed to be? I imagine Jesus felt much like that in this moment. And so in that awkwardness and that feeling as though things were happening in a certain way that Jesus wasn't quite comfortable with, Jesus stops them in this game, it seems, or rather a dance. It's almost like a tango where they're going around and finding these places of honor one after the other. They didn't need to know exactly where their spot was, but they definitely knew where the people below them were, and they had to be above that. And, and so in this dance, Jesus stops the song and changes it to a musical chairs almost, turns it upside down, gives them a new structure to think about, and it's practical at first when you think about it. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you were invited to a wedding, you wouldn't go and sit where the bride and groom sat. Now, if you did that, you would have either somebody else in the wedding, hopefully not the bride or groom, maybe the person who was in charge of seating, and definitely you would hope it wasn't the mother of the bride to come and tell you to move down because that would be a show. No, you wouldn't go and sit there because someone certainly would tell you to move down. You would be made a fool of. You would think, oh my gosh, what have I done? I sat in the wrong seat. Now they're going to put me back in the corner behind the bar. Uh, maybe I'm just outside listening in to the fun conversations now. And Jesus said you wouldn't do that because then you would be dishonored. You would be humbled. You would be embarrassed. Now Jesus says, in fact, what you should do in those places where there is a banquet going on, go and sit at one of the lowly places. Go and sit in the back of the room. Go and find the furthest table from the excitement. And then when you do that, the person who invited you, who really meant for you to be there, who really was excited for your presence to be a part of this party, they thought so highly of you that they wanted you to be there, to be seen. They say, hey, stand up. This isn't where you're supposed to be. Come sit closer to me. Then you would be honored. And it's a practical, practical reason that Jesus might say some of these things, right? You wouldn't want to be embarrassed. You would want to be honored. That's a helpful thing that Jesus would describe in this moment. But, you know, as Jesus is telling this, I, I hear he's talking about the table, and he's talking about just as that claim of the table, having a seat at the table is more than just at the table, but it's all through life. He's telling this people that have gathered the table is not built for hierarchy. It's built for humility. The table is not built for hierarchy. It's built for humility. But I run into a little bit of a problem. I don't know if you do. Because Jesus has also set up a bit of a philosophical conundrum. Do you see it? Well, if you were to go to this banquet and to think, yes, I, I don't want to be embarrassed at this place. I don't want to sit in a place of honor and then be moved down. I'm going to go to one of the lower places. I'm going to be humble in this moment and go and sit at a place where I think that uh, I'll be lifted up. Well, then we run into a bit of a cycle. Well, if I'm going to sit at a place where I know I'll be lifted up and moved and honored a little bit, then is that choice of being humble in that moment true? Is it honest? Is it really humble? Is it really humility if I know I'm going to get moved? up. 
In this uh, circular nature, I get stuck in this, this uh, scene. Do you remember the scene in Princess Bride where uh, there is this battle of wits? They sit around a table and there's poison at both sides and they think, well, you would have put the poison in front of me, but you knew that, so you put it in front of you and so I'll switch but you knew that, so you probably put it in front of it, and it goes back and forth and back and forth over and over again, never knowing the right choice to make. That's kind of what I feel like I'm caught up in here. How can I act in humility if being lifted up is a part of it? It gets a little messy, and, and just like Vicini in this moment, in this scene, I think oftentimes we can begin to overthink even Scripture. We can begin to think, overthink these parables that Jesus is telling us. And so I, I want to take it a little plainly, if you will, at least for this moment, because what I think Jesus really wants us to understand, at least in a small part, there's many other things probably, and maybe you'll spend some time in at-the-table videos and learn some more, but right here for Jesus, for you to understand what it feels like to be embarrassed, and for you to understand what it feels like to be honored. Just to know that just from this example that Jesus has given, that you know what it feels like to be embarrassed and that you know what it feels like to be honored. Because if you hold on to that, then it really prepares you to hear well what Jesus says next. Because Jesus turns to the host and begins to speak, and I think Jesus very much so turns to us and begins to speak in this next place. In a moment, we're going to come to this table, and at this table, Jesus is the host. And yet Jesus is a different kind of host, uh, maybe a host that some of you might be familiar with with other people, but Jesus is that kind of host that always wants to give little jobs to the people that come in, especially those that show up early for the party. As those first comers are there, they're sitting around talking, Jesus looks at them and says, hey, I've got a job for you. I'm going to go and prepare things in the kitchen, but I want you, when you hear the doorbell ring or someone knock at the door, go and answer and welcome them in, bring them in, and find a place for them to sit, a place of honor. Will you do that? And Jesus gives this task to the host that is gathered here. He talks to them about not inviting the people who would give back to you, but invite the people who don't have any opportunity to give back to you because you have more than you need yourself, and you know that. Jesus sets up this scenario where understanding well what it means to be embarrassed and what it means to be honored, Jesus sends out a task to this host and to us to understand what it looks like for our job in the world as little Christians, little Christs, or little hosts, if you will, to invite others to come into this space and find a place of honor at the table, at Jesus' table, where there is food for all. And there is space for all. We'll learn more about that next week. You see, Jesus continues to try and, and flip things upside down. Last week, it was the laws of Sabbath and healing. This week, it is the social understandings of gathering people together. Jesus is looking at us as little hosts and saying, do you see the empty chairs sitting next to you? And do you see the people that you meet after and before today? There's work to be done. There's people to be invited and encouraged in. There's honor to be given. What a privilege it is, church, to be a part of that little host community where we don't have to stress so much about what it looks like to find our place of 
honor, but not too much and not too little, where we get moved around, but instead we are part of the people who get to, to seat people, who look to the people who are disenfranchised, who look to the people who are hurt and, and humbled themselves, or the people who are on the edges of society, and to find ways in which they can be brought up, lifted up, brought to a place of honor. That is part of our calling from this story today. And as we come to the table, as we break this bread, as we open it up to share with each other, we'll notice that not only are there empty seats here for those people to come and be a part of our gathering, but there's more than likely going to be some more bread, too, to share. There is always more. There is always more space. There is always more food. There is always more room for people to come and be a part of this. There is always more opportunities to find ways to honor one another, not to embarrass.